sneaking up on 718, sneaking up on the guns in the 701, because if you don't sneak, they're going to have the advantage. They already know you're there. <laughs> Just saying. That's a fact. <laughs> How you guys this morning? Good. How you doing, Todd? Hey, doing fantastic. Already for Christmas, and we got 10 days here. Come on now. I don't I, I, I subcontract that out. My wife took care of that. <laughs> um, so your wife's buying her own gotta, present then or how's this work no i do i do do that one okay <laughs> and do you have that done i got a few to buy i do been okay. done for about, about a month already so oh look at you a step ahead yeah. of the game all right you know me i'm always prepared <laughs> well these guys in addition to being great christmas shoppers are strong second amendment guys and Check this story out. A food truck owner uses a gun to stop an armed man menacing motorists. I know. I mean, isn't that fine? And of all places in Maine, you know, not exactly the most pro-gun state in the country. Uh, you know, no, but they're also in- very pro-stopping crime, I bet. Oh, but it kind of looks like it. At least this guy is. I mean, he has Addy's food truck. Uh, David, I, I think it's Poto is how, how you pronounce his name. But he was setting up. They were doing kind of like a lot of us do uh, kind of a Christmas tree lighting ceremony, and they have a, basically they call it Holly Day. That's their big parade. I mean, we, we see that all over in towns just right here in North and South Dakota. So he was heading over there, and uh, all of a sudden this guy kind of jumps up and is kind of terrorizing, I guess, for lack of a better term, people that are kind of going by, the motorists, and just causing problems, but he's holding a knife, basically, and, and you know, that is a threat. That's a... I, to me, that's an armed person as well. And so he went over to the scene, confronted the guy. And as you can imagine, the guy didn't take it well. Instead of backing off, he threatened to kill Mr. Poto. Well, that probably wasn't the smartest thing. He said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to stab you. And, of course, the guy didn't know that Mr. Poto's an armed American. He's a patriot. So... <laughs> He didn't want to escalate the situation, tried to get him to leave, tried to get him to calm down, and uh, then the guy threatened his family. So he drew his firearm. He said that didn't work either. He felt his life was in danger, so he shot and killed the knife-welding man. <laughs> Oof, and, uh, man. Yeah, I mean. Well, I mean, you know, somebody's killing somebody, it sounds like, in that case. So yeah, I mean, he's a good guy win. your life. Yeah, you got to have a good guy with a gun there. And, uh, you know, I like how the guy said, he goes, you never anticipate dealing with danger in a certain way, but you never know how you're going to react to it either and how it would play out until you actually live it. And it all happened so fast, and it was like in slow motion at the time. I can relate to that. I've had to pull my concealed firearm three times in my life, and luckily I never had to actually follow through with that. That took care of the threat that was coming at me. But I can tell you right now, it is. It's like. Time slows down and goes into slow motion, and you never know if you're going to be able to do it. I can. I don't know how many how many people can do it. And when I was doing, you know, talking to people about this and they're getting their concealed weapons, I was like, make sure that you're willing. Otherwise, it's not good, and you need to actually be familiar. So yeah, it was an interesting thing. You got anything you want to add to that, Jamie? Well, that's what I call a happy ending right there, Clayton. <laughs> I think well, when I sent you that, I go, I think this is a great happy ending story. For, for, for yeah, people sure. who don't understand the, the the whole importance, I mean, if if you have a gun-wielding maniac come in and nobody's armed, 
then he gets to shoot as long as he wants. If somebody right. can take him out, you you never you never want to be in that situation, right? Uh, in no. a perfect world, nobody ever shoots anybody, but as long as you get to defend yourself against the gun wielding maniac, uh, the sooner he can be taken out, the fewer people get shot. So absolutely, it's it's all about the self defense and, and taking care of the situation, and that's where you know we've seen these mass shootings. As they, I hate using that term, but well, they, that happens because somebody, a good person, didn't step up, or maybe a good person was prevented from stepping up for you know crazy county, city, or, or state laws, and. It just proves once again that a, a good guy with a gun can stop the situation, and I, I'm, I'm proud of the guy. We'll see how the, I'm going to kind of follow up on this and see what the police department does if they charge him. I, I, you know, they didn't say anything about it, but they also did not acknowledge that the guy was a patriot and saved a lot of people. And when they put it on their Facebook page, a lot of people took issue with it as well and said, "Hey, how come they didn't?" Uh, notify the public that a knife attack was prevented by a brave Sanford citizen acting himself. Exactly. That yep. would be an appropriate title. You know, the, yeah, the, the guilty charge may be firing a gun in city limits if they have that kind of law, you know, but that's yep. a drop in the bucket for what they, you know, could potentially charge him with. So, you know, just to, to yep. shut up the people that are critical of it, it's like, all right, fine. Because he did do Absolutely. that I with Absolutely. great reason, but... There you have it. I think they should give the guy. Uh, they should. They should make that guy part of their Christmas parade and make him a local hero. Todd. Not only did he did he take out some some crazy nut who wanted to stab and kill people. You know what? He, 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 if I were on the radio up there, I'd get my red convertible out and I I do the parade <laughs> even if it was just me. Although I suspect that I I would be inviting everybody to come and bring. Flags, and I suspect a whole line of flags, big flags behind pickups, whatever it would be, would be behind me. But uh, oh, yeah. have him have him sitting up on the uh, the trunk of the convertible there, waving yeah. at everybody, and that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. But because I'm in Bismarck, North Dakota, and I don't have the time to drive to Maine, I'm gonna have to pass on that. Deal. <laughs> H24 K fire with guns in the 701. So uh, Biden is pushing an assault weapons ban after the UNLV handgun attack. We, I'm surprised he's not yeah. pushing for a handgun yeah. ban. Well, Todd, actually, I'll say this. Joe Biden has said no one is coming for your guns, but Biden has also said whether it's a 9 millimeter pistol or whether it's a rifle is ridiculous. I'm going to continue to push the, to eliminate the sale of those things. So don't kid yourself. Uh, Joe Biden wants your pistol. He wants your rifle. He, in fact, would even want your double-barrel shotgun, which he himself owns. So he, he, he's after all of them. But, but going to this Vegas shooting, yeah, he, he released a statement, like he said, calling for an assault weapons ban, following, like most people have heard about, we went pretty quiet, and I'll tell you why, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, handgun attack. So when Biden released his statement, facts about uh, the UNLV murders, including the description of this guy, uh, the type of gun he used, they weren't even known, but yet he comes out pushing for an assault weapons ban. And the guy who did it was a 67-year-old uh, man named Anthony Polito. He did use a handgun. It was a Beretta 92. I looked it up. Ten-round magazines. He had 11 magazines on him. Ten round, you know, they always want 10 rounds, 10 rounds. You can only have 10 rounds. Oh, that's what he had. And he still ended up killing three people and critically wounding one. And Biden comes out with this with this statement. That reads as, for all the action we've taken since I've been president, which includes, I'm adding this in now, 
that have turned an ATF <laughs> into attack dogs. And, of course, the Unsafe Communities Act, right, Clayton, which, which President Biden says the most significant Second Amendment infringement in 30 years. Yeah, but guess yeah. what? It didn't work, did it, Joe? Because murders and mass shootings are still up even after your most significant infringement of our rights. And Biden goes on. The epidemic of gun violence we face demands that. Here we go, Clayton. We always love this one, right? We do even more because it's never enough for these leftists, no matter what law you pass to infringe upon your Second Amendment civil rights, they always want more. We cannot do more without Congress. And here he goes blaming our Human inch will take a mile, too, so be careful with what you even propose there and what gets proposed. And and don't I realize that sometimes you want to have compromise. Sometimes that is true. This isn't one of those cases, though. You cave on this. It's going to be a scary slope. Some Republicans did cave on the Unsafe Communities Act. And here's Joe wanting more. Of course, he wants an assault weapons ban, high-capacity magazine ban, which I told you this guy used 10-round magazines, which they always want. Mm-hmm. Red flag laws, there's nothing in this guy's history, because guess what, Todd? They want to enact universal background checks, and yet again, another mass murder passed a background check. They want you to safe storage and other what they call common-sense laws. Everything they want wouldn't stop this guy, and it wouldn't stop almost every single one of these other guys because their ultimate goal, and Clayton will agree, is to take all your guns. It's not about stopping yep. any kind of violence. Otherwise, they'd go into Chicago with the, with the with the National Guard, and then that mass killing that happens there every day. Yeah, good, Absolutely. Good point. Good point. North Dakota's biggest protectors of the Second Amendment guns in the 701. we got more coming up with them. They just stand by, guys. It is 827. Keep 842 in K-Fire. Todd Mitchell, Jesse Rosmet, by the way, uh, in Minnesota, resting up after the uh, Bemidji State U Mary game last night. Guns in the 701 because once they ban all the guns, it'll move on to rocks and hammers. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <whatever>. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> well, you give an inch, they take a mile, right? Controversial no, BLM no. proposal would increase protections for the world's longest mule deer migration corridor. Yeah, BLM, Bureau of Land, I call it mismanagement, but uh, they they call themselves Bureau of Land Management. (laughs) Oh, the irony there, yeah. And they they just love having those abbreviations. So, yeah, they're going to designate it under a thing. It's a a third of what they call the Rock Desert uh, Migration Corridor. I've actually been out there around that river area and Rock Springs and all through there. I guess it's more towards Rock Springs. And, I mean, I know exactly the area they're talking about, but called Area of Critical Environmental Concern. Of course, they have to give it the abbreviation of AC, uh, EC. You know, government never speaks in plain English because they don't want you to know what's going on. But anyway, this corridor, I, you know, it's a good corridor, and that's where a lot of mule deer migrate through. And what they're claiming is, is it's the, that they got one deer out there, evidently, that they've got a, a collar on, and it's the farthest migrating muley on record. One deer, number 255 goes about 90 miles further than anybody else. Well, the whole corridor is only 150. So what I really would like to know, what about the other deer they have in there that are collared? Are they going 20 miles, 30 miles? Do we need to have such a restrictive plan on the entire 150 for one deer? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things missing in this article. And I couldn't find it, honestly. I, I hopped on the websites trying to find it. Packed one website. They, they don't even want to let you read it unless you subscribe to it. So... But the Rock Springs Field Office draft resource management plan, it's been evidently, like any of these other things that come out with the publicly held land, 
by the taxpayers. Last update was 1997. We saw something similar down here on the national grasslands in my area with the prairie dogs. Oh, they're all going to go extinct. We had to have this management plan. I mean, <laughs> you should have seen that thing. And uh, that was a big battle. We did eventually win it. They do do some things and litigate on the on the actual grasslands, but it does, it's not going to extend as of now, you know, into the private property. I mean, they were talking buffers. So I can see where the people are very concerned down here in Wyoming because you can see the same thing right here in North Dakota or South Dakota. It doesn't just affect that land. Generally, it's the buffer zones around it. And if that crosses private land, we have an issue, and especially when they put it under this area of critical environment concern, that even takes it to a new level. So it's an interesting article. Um, I was kind of shocked to see that the uh, Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, which another, they're not exactly with us as far as conservatives and, and what we need to do, but even they're not uh, really, they didn't come out and say they were against it, but they they don't exactly, they didn't ask for this. So they're actually kind of looking into it, kind of wondering what they're going to do. They didn't advocate for that ACEC deal designation. So we'll see how far they go. But even the, what I would call environmental, they, they lead to the environmentalist uh, attitude. Even they're not really for it because it's really going to impact uh, what you can do with oil and gas production out in that area. And as we all know, just like North Dakota, Wyoming is huge on oil, gas, and coal. I mean, it's their bread and butter. So there's some big concerns with this. Uh, they got to January 17th to make a public statement on it and make your comments. I imagine you go to the BLM. That's, that should be under Department of Interior. Uh, find BLM, and you should be able to find the draft resource management plan for uh, this particular area, which is the uh, Red Red Desert to Hobok, Hobok, I believe, uh, Migration Corridor. That's what I'm thinking it's going to be. Yeah, so, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that this Matt Kaufman, he's a wildlife biologist with the U.S. Geological Survey. Mm-hmm. He says, um, you know, it's effective limiting this energy development. Is the reason they want to do that, according to him, is because it's known to delay and disrupt mule deer migrations. <laughs> wow. I mean, deer, like anything else, they'll adapt and, and go a different route, would be my opinion on that. Um, you know, he claims... For a long time, you know, they've known about these kinds of migrations, but I don't know if Clay hit on this, but the, the advent of GPS 20 years ago is how they found out, you know, how this deer 255 or whatever, like Clay was talking about, how they tracked him, and, and this is one of the reasons they're doing it now. And he goes on, you know, these animal, they got like these migrations are type of an animal culture, which I'd actually agree with them on this. You know, like the, the mama doe, learns it when she's young the areas they go in and then it's passed on to the offspring i I believe that happens on our land by golden valley too it's kind of a breeding area for them but you know what (laughs) it's like i said deer are going to adapt like anything else adapts so i I mean i don't know i don't live in i don't live in wyoming so i don't know that much about it but i do know i'm not a big fan of blm and another thing clay that would bug (laughs) me the blm's over 1300 page proposal I mean, that would be, makes me a critic of it right away. 1,300 freaking pages? Yeah. Yeah, and and that's ridiculous. I've hunted a lot out in Wyoming back, you know, in my younger days. I I watched mule deer and antelope both sitting by oil rigs and oil pumps. I mean, 
it didn't seem like it bothered them at all. And, and they are noisy. I don't know if you've ever no. been out in the oil field. They're kind of noisy, but it doesn't bother them in the least. And then down there around that Gillette area where the mines are, we were hunting in that country for animal. All them big rigs wow, and all that noise coming out of the mine didn't bother them animals at all. They adapted to it. That's Ask the guys who work at, uh, at the mines up in Beulah and Center, yeah. and uh, they'll, they'll tell you there's mule deer everywhere around there. There's yeah. big trucks driving into. I mean, I got friends who work there. They've sent me pictures of, of giant mule deer that, that are in there. So I, I'm not yep. so sure I believe what they're what they're pushing there. I'm you, sure there's. You trying to tell effect. me animals can adapt? Imagine that. Oh my God! They'll never. Unbelievable. They'll never let you get away with that theory. We could take the leftist idea of their own theory of Darwin and say, oh, you mean you're saying they can't evolve? Because that's what they all believe. I don't believe in it, but um, that's their own theory, evolution, so they could evolve and and, uh, adapt to it. If they can evolve, they can adapt because that's kind of one of the same in a sense, right? Yeah. Different sides of the same coin. That's the problem. Guns of the 701 here on K-Fire debate erupting over the closure of the Remington plant. What's going on there? Yeah, so Remington Arm, Rem Arms, which now makes Remington Firearms, is they shut down their their New York plant in Ileana, New York. They've been there for more than two centuries. But like you said, Todd, there's a debate over just why Rem Arms is moving, and they're completely moving it. Um, New York, New York's uh, Republican leaders in the in the House there, uh, Representative Lee Stefanik, which she's she's a, she's a pretty good conservative actually, and State Senator Mark, I think his name's Walchick. Um, they both represent the the well, they call it the village of Ileana. I guess I don't know. <laughs> a village to me is small. I'm sure it's a city probably bigger than Bismarck. But they blame New York's unconstitutional gun grab policies for the company's closure of the plant. Which hey, I I couldn't agree with them more. There's actually been 17 gun manufacturers and gun related companies over the last you know probably five six years that have moved to the more Second yep. Amendment friendly states. And name a few. Clay and I have talked about this. The Smith and Wesson moved from Massachusetts to Tennessee. I don't. You can't get any bigger than that. And Stag Arms, which I, I own a Stag AR, AR, a couple of them. They're awesome AR-15. Good fire. They went from yep. Connecticut to Wyoming. And, and Magpul don't make. They don't make guns, but one of the biggest uh, accessory companies for for firearms. They went from Colorado to Wyoming, but the union there. Um, <laughs> The union, they, they don't really believe that. You know, Remington made a statement. They said they're excited about expanding their facility to Georgia, a state that, that uh, welcomes businesses, enthusiastically supports the firearm industry, which they do. Georgia is awesome for that. And, but the union, the United Mine Workers of America, who represented the Ilion, um, there are hundreds of workers there, disagree that blame for the closure of the plant rests with the state's gun laws. And they put out a statement here. Aaron Bates, the union spokesman, said, it's not our understanding or our belief whatsoever that this has anything to do with the laws. They're obviously moving to a very non-union state. Georgia is a non-union. You can, you can join a union there. You're just not forced to do it like the unions want you to do so they can suck up your money and, in turn, give that money to anti-Second Amendment Democrats, which go ahead and look up who the United uh, Mine Workers have backed. And most of them have been Democrats, you know, who are Democrats are always pushing Second Amendment prohibition. So in other words, the United Mine Workers has a long history of favoring the very candidates that would put many other workers in the gun industry out of, out of a job. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's basically why they cited that. Uh, you know, I look at, the, I went and looked at their list. It was horrible as far as the people they were supporting in Pennsylvania. You know, big coal and oil <laughs> as well. So yeah, it's all Democrats mostly. But, you know, uh, before yeah. we, before we move on though, I think you yes. kind of got a little announcement, don't you? Jamie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I got two more. I got two more live streams on on uh, Guns in the Seven Hundred One, and two more appearances here on Mitchell in the morning. And and I'm I'm moving on. And Clayton's uh, Clayton's taking over and taking Guns in the Seven Hundred One. Uh, he's taking it over. Yeah, it's not it's little, uh, you're not, not caving to the anti Second Amendment crowd, are you? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. All right, I'll quit. Yeah, not, nothing Clay and I disagreed on. We're friends. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah, mom's yeah. demand confiscation didn't chase me off or any other. Any other. He's going to take his yeah, guns and hide, everybody, so just let him be, all right? Yeah. He's going to be like the next Art Bell. He's going to hide in some weird place and some uh, <laughs> weird thing, and we won't know. But then, hide in my basement here, Todd. Exactly. Jamie's going to be in there guest hosting once in a great while. He said he'd come on with us once in a while, which is yep. great. So Jamie's still yep. with us. Uh, he still believes what we're doing. There was no big uh, fight or anything. 100%. We're still great friends. And uh, he just needed a break. And uh, who knows? Maybe someday. Maybe he'll come back full time. But, hey, it's been a great ride, buddy. Absolutely. And I have no doubt... Um, Todd, you and Clay on here on Fridays, and Clay doing the live stream and everything else. It's, um, Guns in the 701 is going to keep rocking as it should because it's, it's good information and people need to hear it. And I'm proud to say I was part of uh, somebody who got it going. You're not burning your uh, Guns in the 701 hat or anything, then, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> oh, no, I'll be repping the brown. Don't kid yourself. I'll be repping the gear. The Guns in the will still go on, but uh, you do have the only one with the rock on it. So you're you got you do have the collection yep. item. <laughs> <laughs> Guns in the seven hundred one here on K Fire, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, you too, Todd. Todd. We'll talk to you next Friday. Buddy. All right.